This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, thank you. Thank you. Good morning. So good you came out to see the Lord face to face and ministered to him through your worship. I believe you made a good choice already being here today. If you need a Bible, why don't you raise your hand and get your hand up right. I'll hire our ushers to get you a Bible. And then go with me to the book of Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Ooh, God's already moved today. Aren't you glad you came to church? I can say this. God knew some of you were going to be here today. And I believe he desired to set you free and move. And so we welcome that. We will begin in Acts 4. Now remember, we're here on our study on the Holy Spirit uh, specifically the gifts of the Spirit. So we'll a- actually work our way back to 1 Corinthians 12. And so I got a lot of a ground to go real quick. So uh, we're in Acts chapter 4. This is the story of the apostle Peter and John. And it is very clear in, in Acts 4 that they said they were untrained and they were uneducated but it's very apparent they've been with Jesus. Now, how did they know? Why why was it apparent they'd been with Jesus? Man, something was happening. And so they, they, the, the religious leaders disliked them so much, they said, whatever you do, do not preach or teach in that name, the name of Jesus. And they said, you do it again, there's gonna be severe consequences so we pick up in Acts 4, verse 29. Now, the Lord, now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word. And, and their, their prayer was here, Lord, enable us, grace us to speak your word with courage, with boldness, with all confidence. And so what, what I see here is their prayer was grace is to preach your word with boldness. They knew the word of God was still adequate. They knew the word of God is the only thing that, that could help people. And so we can't abandon our roots in the Bible. We got to stay with it. Lord, grace is that we speak your word with boldness. In other words, let's be unapologetic about the word of God. It's God's word. Verse 30, by stretching out your hand to heal. Does God still do that? He does. And that signs and wonders and miracles be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And it's interesting to me, this this was their prayer. This was their lifeline. Father God, we got to preach the word. But we welcome you to confirm the word, that Mark 16, 20, that you confirm the word with signs following, that you heal and you show up with signs and wonders and miracles. And so what would happen if that not only was our prayer, that became our expectation? What would happen if you got ready on on, uh, Saturday night and you told your family, we got to go to church in the morning. We got to hear the word of God because God's going to heal. God's going to do signs and wonders. What would happen if that became our, became our expectation? And I believe this is where we need to get. Verse 31. And when they had prayed, that's a novel idea to actually pray. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Does that still happen? I believe it does when people pursue God. And I think what God wants us to do here today is just get, get soaked and get saturated with the things of the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't freak out when we hear the Holy Spirit. We talk about the Trinity and we talk about Father God and we should talk about Father God and we talk about the name of Jesus. But a lot of times we leave out the Holy Spirit But here, right here, after all this took place and the Holy Spirit fell and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they spoke the word of God with boldness. Everything was measured by the word of God. And when I look at this passage, they didn't try to force the things of God. They didn't have this thought, we've got to make it happen. They didn't even show up to church in their military fatigues. There was nothing about a a fanaticism. It's let's preach the word of God and then let's allow God to be God. Go with me to 2 Corinthians 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 4. And we have such trust, reliance, and confidence through Christ toward God. And because I'm born again, I, I can come in the name of Jesus with a, with a trust, with a reliance. Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. And in other words, I, I don't have to try to make this. My sufficiency is from God. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant. Now, when you get into the new covenant, the new covenant was based on Jesus being Lord of your life. But even as Jesus becomes Lord of our life, Jesus himself said, there's more to just being born again. And I'm not downplaying that. But the Lord Jesus said in in Acts 1, he said, I command you to wait for the promise of the Father. The Lord Jesus is the one who said, it's to your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, I won't send the helper. So part of the new covenant commandment was you got to be born again. But to follow the things of heaven, you got to have the Holy Spirit. Now watch what he says here. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills Better stated, the external conducts of the Old Testament, because the law always showed us our our need to, to be saved. The law always showed us that our need, but is powerless to meet the need. And so he said, but the letter killed. So I look at it this way. It's one thing to know the word of God, and it's another thing to obey the word of God. Watch what he ends with. But the Spirit gives life. But the Holy Spirit, only the Holy Spirit gives life. An inward power bearing the Spirit of God enable us to keep God's Word. So if we have this thought, I'm going to obey the Word of God out of my ability, it's not going to happen. And he said, but if I put the Spirit within you, I put the Helper within you, things are going to begin to take place. And so I can tell you this. This is what it's like to me. That the Word of God, when you just have the Word of God, and you may have 100% doctrine, just with the Word, you dry up. 
But if you say, we don't want the word, all we want is the spirit of God, and all you have is the spirit of God, then you blow up. But when you combine the word of God with the spirit of God, you grow up. And so I can't expect people to, to obey the word of God, to do the things that God's word says. i got to have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gives life. Go with me to 1 Corinthians 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, if you've been here for the last few weeks, we've, we've been on this. This is the gifts of the Spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 12, the Apostle Paul was writing to the church at Corinth. And he specifically addressed them as brethren. That's how we know he was talking to the church. And he says, brethren, I don't want any of you to be ignorant uninformed and so he goes on and he says in in first corinthians 12 verse 7 he said the manifestations are given of the spirit to each one for the profit of all now he gives nine gifts of the holy spirit we've taken six already we've we've gone through the word of wisdom the word of knowledge Miracles, the working of miracles, the gifts of healing, the gift of faith, the discerning of spirits. So we're on the last three today. And so we pick up in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 10. And the second one in verse 10 says, And to another prophecy, a divine utterance or supernatural uh, disclosure that God puts in the heart of a person and he speaks that out of his heart to another person or to persons. And so it's like God gives words within man to speak these, these disclosures that God wants you to understand and you want, he wants us to get. And you may say, does God still do that? He does. He still does all of these. Now, what we're going to do today is to really get a grasp of this. He talks about the gifts in 1 Corinthians 12, and then he explains these last three in, in 1 Corinthians 14. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Now, watch how Paul explains these. Verse 1, pursue love. Per pursue love. Make it that your target. Make that your aim. And desire spiritual gifts. And desire spiritual gifts. Now this is the word of God. He, he encouraged, desire spiritual gifts. But again, I go back to 1 Corinthians 12. 1. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. But he said, desire spiritual gifts. The end of verse 1. But especially... That you may prophesy. That especially that you may prophesy. That you may interpret the divine will and purpose of God. The New Living says, desire the special abilities. The Spirit gives especially the ability to prophesy. Verse 3. Now highlight this because he's going to describe what the word prophecy is for us. But he who prophesies 
speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. So when you see or hear a prophecy go forward, it should be to edify, to exhort, or to encourage. The word edify means to build up, to promote a spiritual growth. So when there's a prophecy, it'll edify us as the body of Christ. Now, if you go back and study these, these nine gifts were, grit, were written to the church. This was in a corporate setting. The second one was exhortation, which literally means to exhort. It means to admonish one person, and oftentimes it's an admonishment to some course of conduct. How do we know that? Well, in, in 1 Peter 1.15, it says, He who called you is holy, so you also be holy in your conduct. So part of the exhortation would be that in the form of leading us to a life of holiness, to consecrate us from a separation from the world. The Greek right here for exhortation means a calling near to God. So it would want us to pull us to near, man, I gotta grow closer to God. And the last one was comfort. The Greek word for comfort is the word medicine. It means to heal of the inner person, to heal inner memories, but also to heal in the areas of sadness. So this is what he said that prophecy would be for me and you. It would look like this. Now, I'm, I'm not gonna take you to Acts there. There's Acts 13, verse one through three. It's a great prophecy. For time's sake, I'm not gonna go there. But there's something very interesting about prophecy here in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29, it says, let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. So guess what he told us? That when a prophecy is given, you have the right to, to judge it and you judge its content, you judge its alignment with the word of God, but also the relevancy into the meeting. So what happens with a prophecy it should bear witness with something that's already going on within you. Part of the prophecy that causes a lot of issues is individual prophecies, okay? This is talking about the corporate prophecies, but maybe you've had someone come up to you. It'd be like me going to Ernest and saying, I have this word or this prophecy for you. Well, and I give this to Ernest. Ernest has a right to judge that. And you can judge that and you can say, I don't receive that. Actually, many of you know Ms. Betty Harrelson, who's in our first service. She's told me there's all kinds of people that have prophesied to me, and I've told them I don't receive that. Why? Because it can be done out of error. It can be abused and misused. Let me give you an illustration of that on the area of prophecy here. A number of years ago, there was a young man in the youth group there, and after one service, he really looked perplexed. And I had a relationship with him. I said, you okay? And he goes, no, I'm not. And I said, why is that? And he goes, that person over there had a prophecy for me. And I said, and? And he said, well, they told me I was supposed to go into the military. And I said, well, did that bear witness with you? And he said, no, not at all. He said, my desire is to go to college. I've already applied to college and I've been accepted. He said, I don't have no desire to go to the military. And I said, well, you have a right to judge that. <laughs> That's not thus saith the Lord. <laughs> Pastor, have you ever had a, a prophecy that you judge? Absolutely. 
I was close to 30 years old. Me and Shelly were in that age, uh, age bracket or frame. And after one service, a lady came up to me and said, thus saith the Lord. Well, just because they say, thus saith the Lord, they may eat too much pepperoni pizza the night before, okay? <laughs> but she says to me, she said, the Lord told me you're going to have another child. Well, I already had two kids. And so when she said, you're going to have another child, I looked at her just like this. She said, no, you got to be happy. you got to be full of joy. The Lord wants to bless you with another child. And I said, well, there's a problem with that. Number one, that's not a desire of my heart. I only desired two, and that's what I got. And she said, no, the Lord wants to bless you with another one. And I said, no, I don't receive that. Not only do I not want another one, there's another issue in this. I'm a member of the V team. <laughs> you young ones say, what's he talking about? <laughs> well, you can go home and ask your parent that one, okay? <laughs> the few, the proud, the V. <laughs> 30 years later, here I am, and guess how many kids I have? Two. Uno, dos, for you Spanish speaking. So again, when I read these, you have a right to, it should bear witness. Now, I've had prophecies where it was spoken, even a congregational setting like this. Man, it bore witness. It stirred within me. It was like, God, God had been dealing with me on that area. If you ever have a young man and comes up to you and says, God said I'm supposed to marry you, judge it, judge it. <laughs> Judge it. Judge it. Back to 1 Corinthians 12. Verse 10. We get to the, the second one. To another one, different kinds of tongues. Did you hear that? You could hear the emergency brakes being pulled. Ah! I mean, it's amazing to me. We, we mention the Holy Spirit and people freak out. They think I'm going to go charismatic. And then when you think tongues, they say, oh no, here we go to the, the mental institution. But when I read this here, this was one of the, the gifts of the Spirit. And when he's talking about tongues here, he's talking about in a public setting or a church service, okay? There is a difference between public tongues and private tongues. You get the private tongues next week. You got to come back, okay? But watch what the Apostle Paul says pertaining to tongues here because when you see the tongues that he's talking about, it's, it's a, a gift that God gives us. And you'll see in the Word, it won't make sense up here. So go back with me to 1 Corinthians 14. Now I'm going to read verse 1 again because I want you to get this, all right? Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts but especially that you may prophesy. Verse two. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men but to God. I don't know if you like that thought. I love that thought. That if I speak in a, in a tongue, that I'm speaking to God. You know what that tells me? You got a direct hotline to God. You can speak to God. 
for no one understands him. So this tells me again that it has nothing to do with the natural mind, the intellect of man, the thinking abilities of man. This is a spiritual thing. And so he goes on to say, however, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. He speaks or utters secret truths. When it says mysteries, it says things that are divinely revealed. Man, I speak mysteries in the spirit realm. Back to verse 3. But he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. Verse 4. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. But he who prophesies edifies the church. What does the word edify mean? It means to build up. Some of the other definitions for edification, it strengthens you. The best one I found, it says that you improve yourself. Let's read it that way. He who speaks in a tongue improves himself, but he who prophesies improves the church. Now I'm going to leave you hanging just for a second. I'm going to come back to some of this when we get to the last one. But, but when you see this right here, you've got to realize what he's talking about within the church. Within the church. Chapter 14, verse 23. Now watch this verse right here. Therefore, if the whole church, that's us, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed, They've never been taught the word of God or unbelievers. Will they not say you are out of your mind? Some say barbaric. The best one I found, it says, they'll say you're insane. How many of you ever had that happen to you? I did. I was a young guy. I, I, I wasn't born again. And my, my oldest sister and my brother said, you need to go, go with us to this meeting. And there was a place in, in the town I grew up in where they would meet. And I went down there, and they were doing this. I thought I was at the Three Ring Circus. I, I thought, am I in a mental institute, the same asylum? You say, well, tough, we're going to do it. Who cares what they think? Well, the number one goal of, of the Bible is to get people born again. You do that stuff, people aren't going to get born again. They're going to leave because guess what? In their eyes, you're fruit of the loom. You are a granola. Can I help you with granola? You are nutty and flaky. And you can say, well, tough. That's what we're going to do. Go ahead. I was involved with the church for 10 years and it never grew because this is what went on. And I can stand before you and I can say, I had buddies that needed to be born again, but I was never going to take them to church because I knew this lady was going to do something wacko. This is what he's talking about within the church. Back to 1 Corinthians 12. You got to hang in here with me, Okay. The last one, to another, the interpretation of tongues. Which is meaning that the person will give a tongue and the interpretation, that one would render the message. He would verbalize the meaning. And so what I begin to see here is the, the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation, they weren't the problem. 
people are the problem. It's just the Holy Spirit gets the bad rap out of it. Now, to understand what he's talking about with the interpretation of tongues, go back with me to 1 Corinthians 14. Are we going to do this all morning? Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because I want you to be New Testament taught. Let me highlight this, okay? When you see prophecy, when you see tongues and the interpretation of tongues, these weren't written toward the last of the nine gifts of the Spirit because they were the least important. That's not why they were written like that, okay? So we go back, and I want you to have this thought within you. 1 Corinthians 14, 1, he said, desire spiritual gifts. I didn't write this, okay? Desire spiritual gifts. There should be a desire within me. How many of you got a desire for lunch right now? Every one of us. So what happens to desire? Desire gives birth to an appetite. Appetite gives birth to an expectation. Verse 5, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Oh my gosh. What are we going to do with that? You know who just said that? The guy who wrote the majority of the New Testament, Paul. He said, I wish you all, or I would like for you all to speak in other tongues. So when I read this here and he says, I wish or I'd like all of you, it tells me it's possible. It's possible. I wish you all spoke with other tongues. But even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks within a tongue. And he's talking about within a church service, but I can't stop there. Look at the next word. Unless, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So prophecy is preferred above tongues in the church setting. But when tongues are exercised in a church meeting, therefore it must be interpreted. And when I read this right here, it's like he's saying the person who speaks in the tongue publicly, he seems to bear the responsibility for the interpretation of it. So if this gift is in operation, this is from God. I can tell you what's happened in that at times. There's, there's been people that have done it when led by the Spirit of God. Years ago, and I'm pointing way back at that back wall, I'm sitting here preaching the word, and all of a sudden this guy, he starts speaking in other tongues as loud as he can. And I said, sir, you need to stop. And he keeps going. Well, oftentimes when people do that, they'll say this, I, I couldn't stop. That's a lie, okay? Let me tell you this. When you pray in English, for me to stand up here and pray in English, who starts that? I do. Who ends that? I do. I'm not up here praying in English and saying, listen, guys, I can't stop. You're going to miss the Super Bowl next week. I just can't stop. You would look and say, you're a wacko, dude. You can stop. Well, that's the same in the gift of speaking with the, the gift of other tongues. And so right here, I, I end up telling the guy, I said, listen, I'm just telling you right now. If that takes place in this surface, you better have the interpretation or you better believe God, uh, God's given someone else the interpretation. Because if not, I'm going to call that out and say, you're out of order. That wasn't God. 
And you know what he said to me? He said, I thought you would interpret it. And I said, well, you know what? Oftentimes God has given me the gift of interpretation, but I'm not going to stand up here and concoct something when God hadn't given it to me to cover your stinking rear. Is that in the Bible, stinking rear? I don't know. Probably not. Same chapter. Verse 12. Even so, since you are zealous or eager for spiritual gifts... Let it be done for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. That's the number one thing. He said that the church be edified. So when I see this about these spiritual gifts, there are no way meaning that you're to give your own opinion. It's to, to speak the things of God. Verse 13. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret Wow, there it is right there. So if we would just get to a place where we'd follow the Bible. Verse 18. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. Stop. Who wrote that? The Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all. Verse 19. Yet in the church... I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. Now, when he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all, that wasn't being arrogant. That was a fact. Why? Because Paul understood the benefits of speaking in other tongues. But you got to come back next week to hear that. So when I read this, he said, I thank God I speak in tongues more than you all do. Yet in the church, I would rather prophesy. So if Paul spoke in tongues more than they all did, where did he do that at? Ooh, he did that in his personal quiet time. He did that with other believers that were full of God. Verse 20. Brethren, do not be children or childish in understanding, however in malice they're evil. Be babes, but in understanding, be mature. In other words, grow up. Verse 26. How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together in a church service, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Now, he keeps saying this over and over. It's to build people up. It's to take them to, to deeper levels with God. Verse 27 if anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be at two or three most in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. Let me paraphrase that for you. Shut up! Pretty simple, huh? And let him speak to himself and to God. Well, you know what? I, I've got this gift, and you know what? If people don't like it, tough. Yeah, you do that and you cause problems. Look at verse number 33. For God is not the author of confusion. He's not the author of disorder, but of peace and order, as in all the churches of the saints. As in all the churches of the saints. Well, we operate different than that other one. Well, again, you're fruit of the loom. We end with verse 38 and 39. 
But if anyone is ignorant, let him be ignorant. Therefore, brethren, desire earnestly to prophesy. Desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues. Now, what do I do with that? Do not forbid to speak in tongues. Do not hinder ones from speaking in tongues. So what you begin to see here is, is Paul's given this incredible balance through this analogy. That within a church setting, man, it's, it's prophecy, or at least it's got to be interpreted. And he ends in verse 40. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now when Paul said, let all things be done decently and in order... The discontinuance of spiritual gifts was not Paul's solution. But rather the the guidelines he would provide would, would provide order within our surfaces. And so when I look at what he says, is there sometimes error? Yeah. But I can't overshadow the error or the counterfeit with what God wants to do. And so as I I begin to look at at these passages here in 1 Corinthians 14, what begins to happen with human beings? we got two problems, two two hindrances within the body of Christ, within every one of us, points of vulnerability. Number one is we go to this ditch, and we're wild and we're crazy and it's chaotic and it's weird and no one wants to come to church with you. Or then we run to this side of the ditch and, and we become so rigid that all it is is about a performance and we say, you know what? We're going to subdue the gifts of the Spirit. They're not going to happen. All we're going to do is preach the Word. But the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. So what I see right there is God wants us to come in the middle of the road, right here in this sweet spot, where we preach the Word of God, and it's done properly and in order. But man, we give God an opportunity to move. God desires to heal. God desires to set people free. That's part of my prayer. Let, let me say this in closing. After the first service, I was standing right down here, and I, I've never seen this. How he was a young guy, and I, I don't know anything about him. I don't know if he's even born again. And he got real close to me, stuck at his hand, and his hand was like this. He was shaking. He could hardly, and he's like, I, I don't know what's going on. And I said, I do. And he goes, I'm just telling you. I love when they call me father. I don't don't mean that disrespectfully. I know he's doing it out of honor. And he goes, God's in this place. God's in this place. And I'm standing right here. And he's right here. And he points and goes, "I, I don't know what it is right there. But there's an incredible light right there. And he said, I, I, don't, I don't know what God's in this place. And he's doing this and he's walking out. I think, he's getting out of here. He thinks we're getting ready to get raptured. And I was looking at him like, yeah, God's in this. Keep telling me, buddy. Keep telling me. What's going on? What are you seeing? I knew God had an encounter with him. And God was doing something. And so you know what my prayer is? 
We preach the word with boldness. And then we say, Father God, we welcome your hand to heal. We welcome the God who does signs and wonders and miracles. And I always get tickled when people say, God doesn't do those things anymore. And I say, too late. Too late. I've witnessed it. I've seen legs grow. I've seen deaf ears hear. I've seen people, the devil cast out of them and been set free. I, I, my mom and dad are, I, I got a brother that he's 61 now. He wasn't supposed to live out of his teenage years because of cancer. But he got a hold of the word of God and we begin to understand, man, God heals. God, he's still alive because of the healing power of God. And so when people say, God doesn't do that anymore, wrong. You just don't let him. You just don't believe him. God still saves. God still heals. God sets free. God still takes messes and makes miracles. Every Sunday you come here, you get to see one. Why don't you stand up today with me? And again, I, I don't have any pressures on me, guys. All I'm to do is speak the word, and then I welcome God. Why don't you bow your head, and if you really feel comfortable, just raise your hands to heaven. Father God, all over your house today, Woo, you, you've spoken your word and we've heard desire spiritual gifts. Father God, that you don't desire us to be ignorant. Lord, I, I thank you. You're working in here within a body of believers to see you move, to see you save, to see you heal, to see you set free already what you've done today. And Lord, we give you glory. So I, I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what you're in need of, but God does. And you know, you may be here today. And you may say, you know, I, I don't know this Jesus stuff. I, I, I've never been to church. Actually, I was driving by this building and something told me to come here. I, I hadn't been in church for years. You know, a man in the first service said that. You know, if that's you today, man, it's got to be your choice. But our desire is you don't leave here without giving your heart to Jesus. Jesus loves you, okay? He loves you. And if you need to give your heart to Jesus, and you may be here today and you say, I, I did that a long time ago, but I, I just don't sense any life in me anymore. You know what? You need to rededicate today. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you. Just get out of your seat right where you're at. Come on down here. Not to shame you in any way. We're going to clap. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.